0: what's up freaks thanks for joining us for our podcast and downloading it this is our review for the ninth episode of american horror story freak show this one's called tupperware party massacre and if there's one lesson we learned do not let dandy into your house to use your phone if his car breaks down he will kill you all right let's jump on in
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit show, American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host... Chris Husted. What up, what up? <laughs> What's going on, my friend? How are you? I'm pretty
0: good. We're recording a little bit later than usual because of my ass. Sorry, everyone. Sorry to you too, Tyler.
1: That's okay. You were uh, busy at work and, you know, unfortunately work comes before American Horror Story. That's just kind of uh,
0: unfortunately. unfortunately
1: American Horror Story. I wish American Horror Story paid us to do this, but uh, <laughs> they do not. We just do this for fun. Right. Also, um, it's kind of nice that we waited a couple days because I have had a super bad cold this week. And I probably you probably wouldn't have been able to understand me. <laughs> had we talked on Wednesday night? I feel and so like now, everyone's getting sick. It's a very bad six season. So, I mean, I'm a little gravelly and stuff now, um, but at least I'm not, like, coughing into the microphone and stuff like Right. That. So we'll be able to actually have, hold a conversation that's not so disgusting. People have to switch it off.
0: Oh, gross. Um, I do I mean, as a... Not everywhere. <laughs> as a uh, um, uh, gift to you and to our listeners for waiting so long, I'm going to play something real quick.
1: Do it.
2: To do, but me of my letters cool, swine on all the big grill, trying to get you to the hotel. Must be a football coach, the way you got the brain to feel. So give me that toot come around, being a flow, I was in our
1: Do you hear that's it? Arke- uh, that's totally an R. Kelly. It effect. is,
0: it's ignition remix.
1: Mm-hmm. I know. I love ignition.
2: It's by
0: it's actually by Adam Levine, and I was like, I rolled my eyes when I saw it pop up on on my Facebook feed, and then I listened. I was, and the, the quote about it was like, seriously, just listen to it; it's pretty good. And then I listened, I was like, ah, damn it, I like it.
1: <laughs> well, I Anyways, it. there you go. Uh, the original ignition remix is mm-hmm. uh, my fiancee's song.
0: Oh, because you like to run your hand, her have her run her hands through your fro. Bounce it on twenty fours,
1: uh, and get a ball in her grill. Yeah. You know. <laughs> anyway, okay. It, uh, uh, so the Tupperware party massacre. <laughs> yeah. This week. Before Sorry, we begin, I oh, I I am drinking orange juice. Oh. <laughs> I have some Sunny
0: Delight, some Sunny D orange strawberry. It's I saw it at the store and I was like, I'm gonna try that.
1: That sounds gross. It is but... kind of gross, but. Um a little hungover, so it's okay. Uh, before we begin, I always want to remind everybody, check us out on Facebook. Please join the conversation. That's Facebook.com slash this American Horror Story Podcast. Uh email us, this American Horror Story at gmail.com. We do respond to your emails. And of course, uh, check us out on iTunes and rate us, review us, critique us, do whatever you, you want, I guess. Um type in a whole bunch of fart noises into our review section. Oh my right? god, I would love that. Yeah, I'd love it too. That's so um funny hilarious potty humor can't get over. okay anyway apologies for you know, let's go ahead and dive into the uh tupperware party massacre which there's a ton of stuff to talk about um but i'm going to go ahead and begin with the dandy storyline because okay. we begin the episode yep so we start off with dandy coming to see maggie uh as esmeralda the fortune teller um, of course she she recognizes his voice but can't place him as the killer clown Um, Even though, basically, Jimmy's already suggested this to her. So, you think she'd kind of be putting one-on-one together. Um, But Dandy kind of coyly confesses that he has had some recent misadventures with the opposite sex. Which might be the understatement of the year. And uh, has hurt someone he used to count on. And so, in, in Maggie's Crystal Ball, we see... The a, you know an Avon lady coming to the house and Dandy, uh, beating her over the head with a candlestick, which Real felt quick. like a nod, felt like a nod to, to clue for me. Oh yeah. yeah, in like the parlor or whatever you call makes this sense. little opening room in a mansion. <laughs> yeah, and then he beheads her and sews her head onto Gloria's body, and it's and it essentially makes a. Um, he, dead human puppet bet and dot. This is like Gross. he's full on. I mean, we knew he was crazy before, but this is just an. I think he says, like, you're my puppet mother or something like Ugh. that. He is crazy. He's full
0: on crazy now. He, he's pretty full on crazy.
1: Um, but apparently, Maggie can't actually see this in the crystal ball, which I guess is just a testament to that she's kind of bullshitting. Right. Um, this is just kind of a flashback, you know, medium for us to go back and see what he's done. So Maggie tells him that his indiscretion will soon be forgotten. But there is a dark cloud on the horizon. Um, what did you – what do you think this dark cloud is that she's referring to?
0: So at the time, I thought it was uh, re- referring to um,
1: Regina. Yeah. Well, because that's what we had expected. She was going to be the one to bring him Yeah. Down. Yeah. I look like a rock dummy now. <laughs> That was a pretty quick curveball. I obviously we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um maybe Jimmy. Um Ugh, at this point it's kinda hard to done say done. who's going to I mean maybe Bet and Dot will ultimately kinda of bring him down. Yeah. I, I
0: also am kind of thinking um Desiree seems to be getting onto everyone. So maybe she'll have something to do with it. She's pretty tough.
1: She does. I hope that they don't just like snap and, and kill her unexpectedly. But anyway, Danny pays Maggie or Esmeralda a hundred dollars, which I'm sure. I mean, obviously, we know he's filthy rich. But... Which is like ten thousand dollars today. Right, and so he says, "You have true talent. It would be a shame to waste the powers inside of you." What did you take this to mean? Was there some kind of under like symbolism in it? Was he like sensing kind of the darkness in her I... and saying that that was? I think he was just saying that to butter her up for future
0: um, deals. You know uh-huh. that. It... I don't. I don't know if he believes it or not, but also I think he's one of those people. Like, like we see him act with Regina, uh, he has this understanding of who he is now, and he wants to hear what he
1: wants to hear. And she tells him exactly what he wants to hear, so that's why he's just complimenting her. I think. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? I think I was probably trying to read too much into it, but I was trying to take think of it as like you know he now has like this sixth sense, this radar for darkness, basically in people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and like he, you know, he senses that she, you know, maybe played a role, has obviously played a role with Stanley and like taking a Petite or kind of infiltrating right. this freak show and stuff. And he's basically saying this, calling it kind of the darkness or talent maybe. Um, and that would be a shame to have to be wasted. I don't know that she's interpreting it that way because she doesn't know all the crap he's done in it. Right. But uh, that's one way I was interpreting it. So also here at the beginning, I mean, let's just talk about the intro first before we really go down the, da- the Danny storyline, but we see Jimmy feeding the fat lady, um, which I feel bad calling her, but I guess that's uh, what she's, I'm a Wiggles, I I'm a Wiggles, her <laughs> yeah. name. but that's kind of, they brought her on to be the quote unquote fat lady. Mm-hmm. And he's just, he's kind of become disgusting. I'm going to go ahead and say I, in this yeah.
0: episode. I, I'm, I, I, as um, Evan Peters' character tends to do in American Horror Story, I'm
1: annoyed with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> If you want it long and hard, I need you soft and wide. Uh, I b- believe his his quote, which he's is just so creepy and
0: weird now. Like his character's all over the place. I don't know.
1: And, yeah, and I guess he's supposed to be kind of despicable at this point cuz he's like drunk and um you know, then he comes stumbling after Dandy and kind of calls him out as being the other clown, although mm-hmm. he really takes him seriously because he's drunk. And he embarrassingly swings and misses and falls <laughs> flat on his face. And Dandy kind of, you know, pins him down a little bit or, or it really doesn't it just kind of kneels down because he's just pathetic. They're lying in the dirt and, you know, says, because you took away my last chance at happiness, I'm going to. Uh, Had my revenge on you and every, by making you suffer and destroying everything you love. So basically, Dandy's last task in life is to take down Jimmy.
0: Yeah, and I rolled my eyes real hard at this one too. I was like, "What revenge? This is a st- another stupid storyline." I, 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 I miss. I might sound angry during this review because I, if you haven't, a lot of these story plot device lines and whatnot, I think come out of the blue and are don't make sense to me and seems kind of a little messy. So. Obviously, this was not my favorite episode.
1: <laughs> so the, Dandy says something here in this kind of little speech that he says it a couple of times in this episode. He says, "I am your god," and he talks a lot in this episode about being a god. What do you think he he means by that?
0: I think he means pretty literally what he says, actually. Um, and he he like like I said earlier, he's kind of come into his own now. He he's had this realization of that he can't be touched, and and he has never really been threatened with the exception of, I guess, his mom maybe um, finding out. And like as we see him, or his mom ratting him out, but as we see him interacting with Regina later on, he's, you know, he, he's not, he like, Regina obviously can go to the cops, and she does, but he doesn't seem threatened. He lets her go and, and stuff like that. So I think he really does believe that he is this, as he says, God walking among men.
1: He's infallible. He mm-hmm. believes he's all powerful. Right. He has the power to take life and does. Um, yeah, I think that this is a, you know playing into kind of his you know him as a sociopath. And the last image we see of him is looking back through the rearview mirror, kind of before he goes away. And there's a lot of um, through the mirror mm-hmm. shots yeah. in this episode of kind of people being refracted through the mirror. And I don't know if that's supposed to be like you know the people who have who are freaks on the inside, we're like seeing them, you know, when they're through the mirror, you kind of see their true inner self or something about reflections. I don't entirely. Right. No, I mean, we've seen mirrors have come up in the past too, just like the color red Mm -hmm, hats. excuse me. I apologize. do you have any uh, further interpretation of the mirrors? No.
0: Mm. I mean, he, obviously Dandy says when he looks in the mirror, he sees, a god or i i see god every day when i look in the mirror or something like that so he i think that's kind of the biggest thing to take away from this one
1: i mean and maybe you know as mirror is also like the symbol of supreme vanity right you know um you know looking back at yourself instead of looking at other people and so obviously he is self-obsessed by calling himself a god that's about as vain as you could possibly be so it's kind of only heightening that aspect of him so back at his house dandy is filling his blood his Bath with blood, which so mm-hmm. we 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 do learn that he does uh dilute his blood at least. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, I didn't notice that.
1: <laughs> Important question for us: When Regina enters, and he very casually confesses that he killed Dora, um, and basically doesn't really expect he, he expects her not to really be upset about it. He's just kind of like saying, you know, I'm finally living my destiny, and why don't we take a bath together, like when we were little? And you can yeah. tell me when you knew I was going to be a crazy psycho killer,
0: right? by the way, here's my butt and my wiener.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, he just has no self-awareness clearly. Um, and well, he wants to know when he when she knew he was destined to be a god, I guess, so because he he doesn't think of himself as a sociopath, he thinks of himself as a god mm-hmm. and um, he thinks of Regina as his special family I mean why why this special relationship to Regina when he hated Dora so much? I
0: think um he's latched on to Regina because Regina is literally the last person that knows him and was you know raised with him, so gets him because he even says like didn't you have any idea that I was kind of special or different. And she's the only one that truly knows his evolution of who he's become. And that's why I think he, a doesn't want to kill her, but B latches onto her and needs her around or wants her around.
1: Well, maybe as kids, they actually, you know, maybe they actually got along and were friends at one time and she was kind of blind to his, right. I mean, maybe, you know, we know, we know he was troubled as a kid, but maybe he wasn't, uh, you know, it seems like only recently he kind of full and embraced this. Uh, hmm serial killer aspect of himself. Uh, But he gets sick of her pretty quickly when she gets scared and freaks out and realizes that now he has nobody because he he somehow thought he still had her. And then he kind of goes on this whole rant about how he's above and beyond and is the law, which is kind of just, you know, going on with his God complex, I guess. And, I mean, we learn that he does. He has, pretty quickly, he has complete control. Um, When Regina arrives back with the policeman, uh, you know, well, first of all, I want to say, what did you expect to happen at this point with the policeman?
0: When... Yeah, not what happened. Um, I thought <laughs> I don't know it, this kind of annoys me too, just because of how it played out, but dandy just apparently everyone's really easily influenced by money uh and yeah. I, 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 clearly a million dollars is a lot. but to flip a cop that quickly um i, I didn't th- see that happening i thought i di- I did think that he was going to get away with it. Like like he wouldn't be arrested and something would happen and you know we would see the infallible dandy continue but I didn't anticipate it going the direction it did where he flips the cop and and uh, and we see we say we say goodbye to Regina what did you think was gonna happen
1: I thought I thought he was going to kill the cop in front of Regina oh yeah and yeah, yeah yeah I can't yeah. punish for it you know just to kind of show her look I can. I, I am more powerful, and, and you just kind of have to stand there and witness it, and there's nothing you can do about it, which I almost think could have been more powerful, is like showing her that, you know, he can kill whoever he wants, and there's nothing she could do, um, instead of what he does, which, as we said, he kind of goes in this, um, you know, he talks about how the Mott family owns the biggest frozen, is the biggest frozen food corporation in North America, mm-hmm. and then basically... Told her, or told, you know, the policeman he'd give him a million dollars to shoot Regina. And he does so instantly. It doesn't even, like, it takes him maybe, he thinks about it for five seconds. Right. I mean, it did not take a whole lot. So clearly he was not exactly uh, a real, well, I mean, we've already kind of had questions about the police in this mm-hmm. little town already because they, because of the poor Meep. Oh. But, uh, yeah, he flips real quickly and kills Regina. So that was a, a rather short and um, unfulfilling c- cameo, I guess you would even call it, because she was hardly in it. from yeah. Gabrielle Sidibe.
0: Yeah, I was, I was, I was actually like, again, in this character death, I was actually surprised about this one, but I, f- I feel like I, sh- I wanted to feel more because <laughs> I really liked her character, and I, as I predicted, she was gonna be the person to take down Danny. But when it happened, I, I kind of felt empty again. I was like, eh, well, I liked her, but she wasn't very. She wasn't really a deep character yet,
1: which is sad. Well, exactly. We, we just didn't have the time with her. Really, right. to get too much of a backstory to really round her out fully. So, kind of a bummer. Yeah. <clears throat> and so now he has all of the police force on his side as well. Um, and he also says something important to point out in the scene. Um, he talks about mirror skin. He says, but more importantly, I've seen the face of God, and he's looking at me from the mirror. So mm-hmm. that kind of explains also what the mirror thing is—that he's, you know, we see just a regular, you know self-important, um, delusional kid, like spoiled kid brat, basically. But he, you know, what we're seeing in the mirror is not the same thing he's seeing. Right. And so again, it's all about like, uh, the inner, the inner freak, you know, what you see, uh, you know, kind of the facade on the outside doesn't necessarily represent what is on the inside, he really shows that in this episode, like the way he kind of shows up at that um, Tupperware party and stuff like that. How yeah. he's able to manipulate people because of that. And, uh, it, you know, it, it actually really plays with something Ethel says later on to Um <clears throat> Excuse me. But we'll talk about that towards the end. Now I want to talk a little bit about Stanley, Elsa, and, Bet and Dot. <clears throat> so Stanley and Elsa have tracked down Bet and dot And uh, they claim or, they're at West Palm Beach in a hideout. And they claim that there's a mob um, hunting freaks, and that they tore Ethel's head off. And so um, they're trying to manipulate Benton and Dot to to uh, to imply that they're coming to save them, which they're already pretty skeptical. But I think that Dot is so obsessed at this point with the potential of surgery that you know she's willing to see past it pretty quickly. I um, mean, of course, we we'll get the flashback. Flash- flashback, where they find Ethel's suicide note, which was telling Jimmy where the twins were holed up. Um, so they tell Benton and Dot that they found Dr. Sugar, who was the surgeon who separated the Brody twins, who Dot has talked about over and over, you know, a few times, and how they're going to have him come down and perform the surgery on them. Mm-hmm. So they take him to that, and I, to a shed in the middle of nowhere, which it looks like that same shed, I think, where they... We're planning to take Moppetit and Petite, everything like that. Yeah. It's kind of like their evil shed until uh, until the doctor arrives. Um, and Bette is uh, not a big fan of this idea, which we kind of had known for a while. An mm-hmm. um, important thing to note here, we, get a, in a flashback, Stanley tells Elsa that he was able to contact the doctor. And so Elsa actually believes this is for the separation surgery. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to note that Elsa is not... She really thinks that the twins are just getting separated. She's not actually trying to kill them. Right. Though, now that she's killed Ethel, I I don't know. It's not that I... I still don't feel like she's a good person. No. But I guess it makes Stanley a worse person. Yeah. Uh, But Stanley tells Met and Dot that the only reason one of the Brody twins died was due to a rare infection. Obviously, he's just bullshitting, so that way he can put them out. Um, And Dot is kind of blinded by this chance at freedom. But Bet is going to refuse. And as they wait for the doctor to come, you know, Stanley and Elsa leave them, the two girls discuss the truth of the surgery. And the truth is that, yeah, it, well, and I guess Bet does. Dot still seems kind of, I think Dot's aware that only one of them sur- will survive, but maybe she, you know, she just wants the surgery so badly she doesn't yeah. want to admit, it, you know, say it out loud. But only one can survive. Bet says, basically, this is the truth. Um... And, and, you know, Dot says, you know, if we – if the choice is between living like this or dying, I would rather die if we can't be separated. Mm. And uh, this was – I mean, first of all, think of how difficult the scene was to film, uh, having this, like, serious, intense emotional conversation where essentially Sarah Paulson was not talking to anybody. Right. She was having to flip back and forth between characters. I'm curious whether she, like, went line to line. No, there was no way she could have because she had to do the hair. Yeah, yeah. She had to just, like, do each line and have someone probably – Right. Read off what the line was, um. But you know, we—I—I I would say this is the. I don't know that I, I. It always kind of seemed bad as kind of the dim bulb up until this point. You know, mm-hmm. obviously practical, right? She um, even
0: says that. I think, yeah, it's yeah.
1: But and I, you know, I don't really have any feelings one way or another toward better Other than she's just kind of dumb and naive. But we realize it's not the case, you know. She, she, she really makes a case for being kind of a really um, sweet and thoughtful person. who mm-hmm. Clearly, loves her sister, and she says that she thinks their life has been a gift. And it was a you know, it's a unique experience no one can ever relate to. Yep, um, it's about loving someone as much as yourself. And Beth confesses that she wouldn't want to live without Dot as a separate person. and so Beth seems to convince quite, herself. Yeah, quite an emotional scene. I was
0: gonna say it is.
1: And Beth seems to convince herself that she's willing to die, if Dot can live by herself. Is like um, that's when my heart broke. I'm like, come on, yeah. Dot! Like, don't be such a asshole. Yeah, it was. It was a pretty powerful moment. I. I mean, I. I felt that emotionally. That this might be my favorite scene, actually, from the whole episode. I might say is it was like the most. Uh, well, as far as like dialogue went and acting went, this was the strongest. I want to give my life so you can have one. That's what she says. Mm. And so, no, I thought that was a really well so acted scene. And yeah. Right. And I mean, it was, it's it weird was that they like,
0: hadn't like had this conversation or <laughs> at, that's, at, at this point until now.
1: <laughs> well, and that's as to say is, you know, it feels like we were building up to this, this yeah. conversation. Like they were putting it off maybe until like, just cause you know, they could talk about it enough in theory, but who knew if they were ever going to be able to actually find this doctor or anything, you know, it was more just kind of a pipe dream at first. And mm-hmm. then now that it's actually something that they think is actually going to happen. Now they have to really wrestle with the truth of it. Right. And so I think that's kind of what brought out this conversation, but um, what did you, th- I mean, what did you think they were going to do at this point?
0: I I thought they weren't going to go through with it, but I had no idea what, you know, what it was going to lead to because that storyline kind of ends there and that's kind of what's been driving them for most of the season. So I, I was I don't know, I was unprepared for that to be resolved, I guess, so quickly, so
1: I, I didn't know where it was going to go. Did you have any ideas? You know, it, after Bet, you know, just like kind of like you said, after Bet said her piece, um, it felt like maybe, you know, they were going to have to change their mind, but I don't know, I, part of me still is kind of curious if they'll, it's, I thought that they would I had always thought that maybe in like the last episode they would try to do something creative with the surgery or something mm-hmm. like that, you know. And mm-hmm. I think we talked about them doing like a a moment at the end where like we don't know which girl survived or something like that. So mm-hmm. I think at this point we're probably not, – that's not going to happen anymore. But I think that could have been an interesting twist kind of. Um, back at the motel, Stanley has his uh, stripper boy toy. Um play the role or is practice it, playing the role of dr sugar this 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 kid's stupid for sure but <laughs> um, is this the same guy that was the viking the one time i think it is i think it was the same guy so i wonder if he did he come down there with him i yeah i don't know or was stanley at the well stanley might have been at this hotel before and just or at this motel and just like waiting to you know come to this yeah freak show whatever um but it's it's so funny to hear him read the lines and, and like what is a pretty easy line and just be an idiot, which was, I, that was a pretty funny scene. Um, but the big line that Stanley wants them to nail is we've learned a lot since the Brody case and are confident the surgery will go well for both of you. And then bam, they're going to hit him with that euthanasia. Uh, there was, yeah, there was some pretty good, good, I guess, (laughs) lines in here. Yeah. But I like puppies. Of course you do, you sweet innocent boy. Now get over here and suck my cock. (laughs) Yeah. Oh. Uh, oh. Okay. Stanley's kind of gross too. Um, And again, we got a shot through the mirror here too. Mm -hmm. So just kind of pointing out this, um, what seems to be kind of a theme going through here. And maybe it's about, I don't know, Stanley's another person who is like, his freakishness while some might say his freakishness, is his massive penis. I think it's also the fact that he's an like a murderous asshole. Probably, yeah. It's also something you can't directly physically see. You know, right? I have a
0: feeling that uh, maybe ultimately, and we'll see, um, Stanley's wiener in the museum.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be that would be
0: a good end, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea if that's going to happen or not. And as we've seen from this season, I'm horrible, but about predicting what's going to happen. But well, I think that might happen.
1: Well, I don't know that we'd be able to actually see it full on. Maybe we'd see like a silhouette or something. Yeah, well, yeah. Maybe just see them like staring and looking at it or, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just talking we'd about be it. be like, oh my. Um, or like a,
0: like a gaggle of ladies around it. Or or gay man, I guess, too. Just be like,
1: ooh. <laughs> Gross. Yeah, no. <laughs> um. So... Yeah, I, something about the idea of a giant penis sitting in a jar of formaldehyde is just <laughs> that's kind of disgusting. Um, let's now talk about, uh, let's see, kind of the Jimmy storyline, but um, it takes us back to the beginning where we see Theo from The Cosby Show. Yeah, um, that's exactly what I thought. I
0: was like, oh man, it's Theo.
1: Yeah, he's Desiree's secret beau, Angus T. Jefferson. Um, and this is the only time we see him in this story, but we can only imagine he'll play some kind of role yeah. later in, in a soon upcoming episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's this must be Desiree's maybe new boyfriend from town, now that she's separated from Dell, I guess. Um, but Desiree tells Maggie to keep quiet about it. So then they stumble in on Jimmy uh, banging the fat lady. Um, I know Wiggles. And everyone gets upset. They like, up laugh at him. Kind of Maggie though. gets upset. Well, Desiree kind of laughs at him. I think Maggie's pretty clearly just disgusted. Right, yeah, and, yeah. Like, ashamed for him, basically. And he's just a gross, drunken idiot. Yeah. Um, and I want to talk for a minute about Jimmy's reaction to his mother's death here. hmm You know, i it's hard to say how one would react in, you know, obviously he was very close to his mother. But you think that he just seemed to have rekindled his relationship with his father. So maybe he would be... And spending time drinking with his dad and spending, mm-hmm. all, instead of spending all this time, like, I just don't understand the fat lady or like what his, I guess like Ethel was a larger woman and I know that Elsa said the thing about the Muslims, but I, 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 I just I have know. to say, I honestly don't get it, He's but I guess I do, he clearly is lost. and I think Meg even kind of says, you know, indicates that and says to the. I'm a Wiggles, you know, you could be a pillow or a donut or a sock. It wouldn't really matter. He just needed something to... <laughs> Stick his wiener in. Yeah. Um, although it seemed like he was already doing that with Maggie. So I don't understand uh, yeah. what his problem with Maggie is. Other than maybe he just feels... Like Jim- Jimmy's a mess. He's he's a complete mess. He doesn't make any sense. Um, You know, at the Tupperware Lady Party, he... <sighs> Health, all that, that little group of ladies is waiting to be serviced by Jimmy. Mm-hmm. And um, of course, one is describing how she gave her first uh, blow job and it got her a new stove from Sears. <laughs> so these are, these are relatively uh, sexually advanced ladies. Well, like, so the,
0: the, the issue I had with this scene is they're all like, like, Oh my gosh. About the whole blow job thing. And yet they're at a party where they're all getting fingered by Jimmy. Like I, <laughs> really a blowjob? That's where we draw the line.
1: <laughs> that's the no, That's the next, the next, big thing. Um, I you know we could discuss all day. Yeah. What, <laughs> what order the bases come in, I guess, but I don't know. Um, you know, they're they're women who are exploring their sexuality. Yeah. It's you know we're we're gearing up for the what the sixties. Yeah. So Jamie's drunk and he keeps quote unquote missing, and so one of the women says so she just paid him and walked out. Um, he's kind of stumbling around and then. A super weird scene. Okay, so first of all, Ethel's back. Um, do you feel okay? So we've seen Ethel come back now a couple times in this episode as a spirit. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like when she comes back as a ghost, it kind of makes the stakes of her dying in the past episode mean less, or do you think because it's a ghost doesn't
2: matter? Uh,
0: a, a little of both. Um, when she came back, I I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit. I was like, well, because remember early this season, um. Ryan Murphy said that if someone dies, they die. They don't come yes. back to life like everyone did in Coven. But this is kind of a cheat way around that. And yet, it does kind of make sense for certain characters to have these, you know, scenes with certain people in their lives, like Elf, Ethel with Jimmy and Ethel with Dell, and um, even Ma Petite with Dell. Um, I don't know. It, it, well, I lucky. guess it's. A-
1: and I guess it's not really a ghost, it, you know. It's, but in Jimmy's case, it's like a drunken kind of vision, mm-hmm. and I think you know the same with Dell too. Um, and so it's more like a manifestation of their subconscious. It seems like right. Um, super weird here, though, how they incorporate in like the women making comments to Ethel. What did you, that was kind of that was weird. Yeah, caring.
0: yeah.
1: One of the girls asking Ethel how she preserved food and. Yeah. I didn't really understand, you know, because normally they would just ignore, you know, if he's having a vision, they would just ignore that person. So I didn't understand what that device was supposed to be doing other than kind of jarring us a little bit. What did you think?
0: Yeah, it it was, it was kind of, I thought it was kind of fun, actually. I I didn't hate it. Um, It didn't seem to make sense. Why are these ladies talking to Ethel? But it was still kind of fun.
1: I don't know. It was kind of, oh, I mean, it was kind of funny when she was like, why would you want to preserve food? Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But of course she's there to kind of, you know shame him a little bit and chastise him and tell him that he's wasting his life grieving and I don't want to have wasted all my hopes and dreams on another drunk so his vision disappears moments send him away and that's of course when dastardly Dandy shows up with his broken down car and he charms his way into the house to murder everybody the Tupperware Party Massacre <laughs> So the husband arrives home to the Tupperware party to find that all the women have been slaughtered and are floating in a pool filled with blood, which was a pretty disturbing that scene, was, I would say. That was,
0: yeah. Ugh. And again, now we,
1: we see Dan- Dandy is full-on cray. Mm-hmm. Um, so back at the freak show, the freaks are tearing down the bearded lady posters, which is still upsetting Jimmy. So clearly Ethel, having appeared, didn't fully... Um, I thought maybe that was going to make him stop Drinking Mm -hmm. or, or like, make him second-guess things, but apparently not at all. Um, He's still stumbling around, stumbles back into his trailer where he finds Bet and Dot. So now we know that they didn't go through with it, which is Mm -hmm. kind of what we had expected. Um, It seems they've escaped um, and somehow made it back to the freak show. And... You Know, we have this kind of sweet moment where Dot says, It wasn't Bet that was the problem, it was me. You know, my sweet sister is the purest part of my soul. We t- I talk a lot in the season about purity and innocence, and yeah, of and mm-hmm. a lot of some, kind of some of these um, freaks and now Bet, but Jimmy is kind of mm, okay. So, the girls are there to comfort him, they want to love him, they want to marry him. Um, they take off their clothes, you know, and Bet's saying how she can give him privacy and they'll be good for you know.
0: Um, yeah, she starts kissing his neck when they start kissing. I was like, uh, I thought you were going to turn your head and close your eyes or something. <laughs> not not yeah, trying to get uh, down on it.
1: Instead, it's going to be a very weird three way. Yeah. Um, so first <laughs> of all, I thought it was nice of Jimmy to be, to like say to Dot like or to Bet like, how do you feel about this? Is yes, that t-? was
0: nice. Yeah, that was nice. I appreciate it.
1: Um, okay, but Jimmy says that he cares about them, but that he can't be with them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it, it's because he's in love with somebody else. So did who do you think it is? Well, it's obviously Maggie. Um, Not Ima. (laughs) I no, I don't think he's in love with Ima Wiggles. Um, (laughs) This was kind of heartbreaking to me. I don't really like him in Maggie. That seems like, I don't know. I feel like I was kind of hoping he would get together with the twins or like, I mean, it was sweet when the twins, like, you know, when, Bet takes Dot's hand and they're like, you know, "That was really yeah." I, I thought that that was like a cool idea to have them do that. I thought it was a sweet moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but at this point, I just I think I even I, I typed out I, poor Bet and Dot. Fuck you, Jimmy. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know these these girls have obviously been through so much, and I don't know. I he's just shitty. they kind of I. What is gonna so now? Basically, you know, I th- this is the whole reason they came back, and what's gonna happen to? bet and dot i i feel like they're gonna die now yeah know? i think they're like they're gonna martyr themselves somehow or another because it just seems like what are they they're not gonna separate They're jimmy's not gonna fall in love with them there's like i don't know what, what was it were you did that surprised you did you think he was gonna get with them or be with them at this point i think i felt
0: really empty on their relationship in general so it didn't It didn't register; it mattered to me really. Did you feel something about it? Did you think they were going to hook up, or did you think it was going to? He would uh, (sighs) rebuff them.
1: I I kind of thought he was going to rebuff them like he did, but I kind of but like I said, I kind of hoped he wouldn't because Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think they're more interested. I just think Jimmy and Maggie are kind of a boring pair. I mean, we've kind of already I don't know. I thought this would have been a more interesting couple, but plus, I felt bad for Ben and Dot, and obviously, Dot was pretty in love with him. So, yeah. Um, at this point, Jimmy throws away his bottle. So do you think this means he's done drinking? No. <laughs> I wish. Because, you know,
0: he he became a full-on alcoholic real quick, too. Yes, he did. Like, yeah. I mean, with, like, last episode of the episode before, all of a sudden he's just drunk all the time. Yep. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think he's done, but... And I don't think he's actually turned the corner yet, but I think we're supposed to think he's either at rock bottom or about to get to rock bottom before he, you know, transforms into the hero that he was initially setting out to be in the beginning
1: of the season. Right. Okay. So, I mean, I think, I think you're right. I think this is probably rock bottom now where he gets arrested for the murder of all these Tupperware ladies. Um, and, right. You know, he was so drunk. He might not even remember that he didn't do it. Um, right. Frankly. And do you remember how they say they knew he was there? I mean, I can't imagine he leaves like a receipt it, for his services. Yeah,
0: um, I think they plan- The cop said there's a glove. He left his gloves behind or a glove behind. So. okay. Um, obviously planned. Oh, how about O.J. Simpson?
1: Yeah, yeah, seriously. And I think we even see the detective that Dandy's paying kind of lead this charge here. So, I mean, it's kind of to imply that obviously Dandy's behind it, which we clearly already knew. Um but just, you know, and I think you're right that he's going to go from hero to rock bottom back to hero somehow and, like, redeem himself, which is such a corny, dumb story. I, I'm i kind of – at this point, I had some hope for this character at the beginning. At this – not anymore. I'd rather see, like, Desiree or Bat and Dot or somebody kind of be the savior of the freak show. Mm-hmm. Fra- frankly, I don't know that I would be all that disappointed if Jimmy died in prison like me or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm kind of sick of him at this point. What do you think?
0: Yeah. I, I – he had he had promised early on uh and then he just i don't know he he's all over the map i don't think his character's written very well and it's not written very consistently
1: i feel like that's like the common case with evan peter's characters all yeah. except tate in season tate 1 season tate, 1 was great yeah that was they a kind really of, cool they character kind of, they fall into these cliched, like hero plots mm-hmm. and i think that's what i think that's what made that character in season 1 so interesting is that he wasn't supposed to be like the dapper you know, classic hero story. Right. So anyway, well, I guess we'll see what happens with him in prison next episode. Uh, last part we want to talk about, of course, is the Dell storyline. Mm-hmm. We hadn't seen Dell, um, in quite some time. Um, I think really since they found Ma Petite's dress in the woods and he's there trying to write a uh, suicide notes. And it seems like he's not really sure who he's going to write one to. I think he starts out with Desiree and then starts writing to Jimmy. Um, And we see this flashback to a disgusting scene where Stanley's like following him as he's stumbling around drunk in the dark. And um, Stanley tells Del that Andy's officially gone and never cared about him, which I felt like Del kind of should have known before. I thought that's kind of what we established when he first kicked the ass of the bartender. Right. Um, But, you know, he was in love with that guy, so clearly he's still upset about it. And then Stanley pulls out his monster penis and begins to... Show Dell. What is he uh, doing? Is he shaking it? Is he masturbating? I don't, I could, not like he kept going like, Burr. Burr. I'm like, what are you doing to it, man? <laughs> so I, I got the impression that he was trying to make himself, Hard. um, erect. Yeah. So that Dell could then do something with it. Um, <laughs> touch it in one form or another. Right. And it would be their quote unquote secret shame. <laughs> um, so I guess that's what he was doing. I don't
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I mean, cuz Dell or sorry, Stanley has um, you know, power over Dell. Because of you know, he knows he's murdered Mpatite and and he's gay. So he has the upper hand in anything. So I I I I, I was curious when they the fact that they cut away, I wondered if Dell actually went through with it or not because he's blackmailed to do stuff by Yeah by Stanley now not that it really matters it just shows the power
1: uh play and the power
0: where the power lies within their relationship
1: that is what I was going to ask you because I mean really it was Del did not look like he wanted to do it so it's what's kind of you know horrible here is that I mean effectively he's getting blackmailed into I mean it's a form of sexual assault eh? oh
0: absolutely yeah
1: yeah kind of like a form of rape really which is terrible Mm -hmm. um not that Dell's been a good guy, but yeah, it's pretty. Said, do you think he went through with it? Um, I don't know.
0: I think he probably did.
2: And that's and that's know, and that kind, of kind
0: of triggers the the suicide. Like I'm going to be stuck doing this forever now because of the position I'm in.
1: He can no longer. Yeah, he. What does he say? He can no longer live with the shame. He wants mm-hmm. to confess his sins. Um, and he starts seeing visions of of Ma Petite, obviously, and then the vision of Ethel. As he prepares to hang himself, Ethel calls him a coward, and you know he talks about to Ethel about he can't live with the shame of what he is. And this kind of irritated me a little bit because it was like, "Yeah, okay, you can be shameful about that, but I think your bigger shame is the fact that you killed little innocent Mopati.
0: Right. And Agreed. That's you the murdered really someone.
1: <laughs> yes, as someone who's like was like the the picture of innocence. Um. And so they have an interesting conversation in which Ethel says, "When you're a freak on the outside, there's no hiding it. It's just who you are. So you learn to deal with it." Which is um, obviously the contrast between, you know, Dell and his inner inner freak, which is like, you know, you you are the one who's forced to deal with it on a personal level. You know, the world doesn't force you to deal with it. Right. So they're kind of having a debate, I guess, about which is easier to live with at this point. Um, I think, you know, Dell even says when you carry it on the inside, it eats away at you like a living thing. And so Ethel's basically encouraging him to go through with it, um, which is an interesting thing for his subconscious. I kind of like that
0: because he was like, oh, what are you, are you here to talk me out of it? She's like, nah, you're a coward. i want to see you do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so we see him, and I thought this was a pretty intense scene when we kind of see him like basically – strangling to death through his own eyes i Um, like get blurry and we hear his heart beating and his vision kind of going blurry
0: i thought this was filmed really cool like you get you, you you cut back and forth between the point of view and 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 as a third person watching the scene and like you said the heartbeat and the the breathing and the music and then the the quick uh black uh black screen and then blurry and
1: then black screen and blurry as he's his life is slipping away I agree. I like this kind of the cinematography of that. And then Desiree finds him and cuts him loose in the last second. Um, so he's going to live. Did you think he was going to die? Or did you think I, – I didn't think he was going to die. I was like, all
0: right, some something's going to intervene. He's not dying.
1: I didn't think he was going to die either just because I don't think that we're – I think that when he dies, I honestly think it's going to be probably killing Stanley. It's like he's going to do something that's somewhat redemptive. Um, right. I mean – Just because we've kind of painted him as, you know, despite all his kind of crappy things he's done, he's somewhat sympathetic. Um, So I feel like he's going to, especially, yeah, um, for Jimmy's sake, I feel like, or maybe he'll die saving Jimmy. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Something like that. But I think. think, A redemptive thing. I think he he will die. I just don't think it was going to come from him killing him. So I think it'll be, yeah. Yes, it is where he finds him and cuts him loose. So interesting to kind of see how he'll be. I mean, Desiree, so, you know, we can only expect that they're going to find his le- written letter now, mm-hmm. right? Because, I mean, it's not like he's going to, like, jump right back up after almost strangling to death and run over and tear that right. letter up. I can only really imagine Desiree's going to wander over there and see it. And so now he's going to, I don't know, I, maybe it'll expose Stanley. I guess we don't really know what fully what the letter says. I mean, he might have just been vague. We don't even know if he actually confesses to killing Mappetit. Right. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see kind of what happens to him. Um, not that Jimmy's there to get that mad about it anyway, because now he's in prison. So, I mean, a couple, a number of different kind of loose ends we have now. Um, Jimmy in prison, Dandy's on the list. I mean, I guess now Dandy has kind of put Jimmy in prison, so now is he going to go about killing everybody in the freak show? Um, not really sure and Dandy's, Dandy's going to proceed um Someone's going to have to kill Dandy. He's clearly not going to go to prison. Maybe it'll be Del. I don't know. Um, and then, obviously, kind of Stanley, Stanley now has really nobody in his way either to continue stealing and killing freaks. Unless Elsa kind of picks up her game and, and becomes a good guy or something. I don't know. Um, you, it was weird. We didn't have, like, way? Elsa
0: at all. I mean, we had her briefly, but and she had some pretty cool sunglasses she was wearing. But I, I, yeah, we didn't have her too much, and I think that's maybe a, a reason why I felt this episode maybe was a little more hollow, um, or maybe I wasn't as engaged with it. And I generally do like a lot of the peripheral characters, but for some reason, um, to me, it was very noticeable that we didn't have a lot of Elsa.
1: You know what, what I I could see that. i um, just because she has played such a prominent role in so many mm-hmm. episodes. But I'll be honest with you. There was a lot of parts of the storyline I did like. Mm-hmm. I I thought that I thought the Dell part was, um, was I liked that. It made I, sense. You know, it was good. It, it made sense. It was good. It was yeah. emotional. Um, same thing for sure with the Bet and Dot part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like I, I continue to enjoy Dandy, and that was another huge twist for us. It was the Jimmy storyline that took this one down for me. Yeah. Frankly, I feel like that his character just like being so inconsistent and irritating. It takes away from the better storylines yeah. to me. He's acting is...
0: like a seventeen-year-old, or you know, we're, he's his mood swings, and he—he's not as mature as he came across early on. I don't know. I don't know. He, he, it almost seems like he's devolving. I know he's going through this transition where we talked about this earlier. You know, he's going to hit rock bottom, then we're going to see him ascend and become this, you know, hero. But as far as it is right now, it's—it's it's just too. It's a little
1: sloppy. Partly, I think it's because I mean it might just be actually Evan Peters' fault because I feel like his drunkenness and his like um, his grieving don't feel authentic to me. I agree. I I agree. I don't. I don't know what he would have to do for them to feel more authentic, but it it doesn't feel that way. Um, And so maybe that's why I'm so skeptical of his plot lines because I I feel like I can't sympathize with like what is motivating him to act so stupidly, right? Right.
0: Um, so overall, why don't you go ahead and give waiting sure. rating for it? Um I give this episode 3 a 3. 3 sad clowns and I I we hit on a few of the reasons there. I'm really disappointed that we lost uh Regina as a character because I feel like what was her point? <laughs>
2: yeah. You know,
0: she really didn't she didn't I mean she didn't even I the only the only um device of why she was uh incorporated in the story I think was to Scare Gloria and have Dandy kill Gloria. That was the only reason she was there, and otherwise, and we just killed her off. Like, and, and I don't know. I I was annoyed with that. That could have been done better. Um, so that bugged me. Um, I didn't like uh Jimmy's storyline, and I felt like uh, um overall it was just too too many loose ends, like you said, and nothing felt consistent with. Some of the storylines we or the narratives that we've been going through. So anyway, three, three sad clowns. What do you give it?
1: I'm going to give it three and a half. Um, you know, I thinking about Regina and her point. I mean, I think another point is, and I that maybe Ryan Murphy was thinking, putting her in here, is as a red herring, mm-hmm. basically luring like like you luring us into thinking she was going to be the one that would take down Dandy, and then you know it being a huge twist when she gets killed so quickly. You know. Um, and I appreciate the fact that they try to give us twists and turns. I just hope that it, it's ultimately for a really good, like satisfying resolution when Dandy finally gets taken down. Right. Um, I as I mentioned before, I there were a lot of parts of this plot I did enjoy, and I really liked the conversation between Bet and Dot, and I felt that was very heartfelt. And there was a lot of parts about I mean, even when they finally like expose themselves to Jimmy and he kind of rebuffs them and they kind of comfort each other, I thought that was a very sweet moment. Um, and I thought the the stuff with Dell was, it made sense, yeah, you know, and it was, I think Dell had the strongest storyline in this yeah. episode. It made sense. Yeah. Um, it was really just the Jimmy stuff for me. Although as far as his storyline went that the, um, yeah, the whole Tupperware party thing was bizarre <laughs> and Ultimately, pretty horrific when Dandy yeah. slaughters everybody. But
0: that pu- that the the Gloria and Avon Lady puppet in the beginning that was pretty disturbing. <laughs> like, God that was God.
1: pretty disturbing too. Yeah, yeah. that was pretty nuts. Too. I felt like so, I,
0: I felt like Frances Conroy was was gonna like say something too. You know, like her face would come alive and be like, ah,
1: yes. Be cool. Maybe maybe they'll do that. Maybe yeah. you know, if we're, maybe Dandy will have some kind of vision where she. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. So, so I guess that gives it a six and a half, which is, I think, the lowest we've had this. I think so. so yeah. But um, we have what three episodes left to kind of pull it all together. It's not. I mean, obviously, where are things going? Jimmy's going to have to be a hero again. We're going to have to expose Stanley and as you know, Maggie at some point. Right. Um, Jimmy's going to have to get out of prison. Dell's going to have to atone for his sins, and Danny's going to have to die. Those are kind of the things that are are yep. left down. Right. Um, I did watch the preview for next episode. So just, uh, so did I, <laughs> you want to talk about what you saw?
0: Um, I already forget what it, it, so Jimmy's in jail. Um, Stanley shows up and he asks Jimmy if he did it. And Jimmy's like, no, I didn't do it. Uh, and then also we see Desiree confront, uh, Maggie and say, if I, if you and that skinny man, uh, had anything to do with the freaks disappearing, I'll kill you. Which is exactly what we heard Ethel say to um, Elsa. Elsa, right? Uh-huh. That's those are the two things I remember. Were there are other. There, I'm sure there were other, a few other things that happened, but well, uh, D-
1: Dot, Dot reaches out to Maggie to save Jimmy. Oh. So we see like oh right, Dot kind of being a you know. and then. Which I, I guess it's not really clear what Maggie could do. Maybe she's the one who sends Sanley. I don't know. And then um something with Pepper. Pepper it looks like Pepper fi- finds oh, out yeah. her brother is dead or, right. or Someone something else is like that. Dying. So and well, like as we've as was rumored or I think confirmed eventually, Sister Mary Eunice is supposed to show up here sometime soon. Right. And so right. I'm I'm assuming this is gonna happen soon that maybe after her brother dies, Pepper goes crazy and Miss Sister Mary Eunice shows up.
0: Right. The next episode is called Orphans.
1: Huh, maybe that's I guess I don't know who that's in reference to. Well, maybe Elsa talks at, about all the like however they're all her children. So. Yeah.
0: Maybe it's about
1: Pepper. That'd be kind of cool. That would be kinda cool. That would be interesting to learn more about her. Okay. Um well anyway, thanks everybody for joining us. And sorry on the delay for this one. Um as always, check us out on Facebook at Facebook.com slash This American Horror Story Podcast. Uh this American Horror Story at gmail.com, and um, on iTunes. And Stitcher. Uh, Chris, where can people follow more of your stuff this week?
0: Instagram and Twitter, at
1: Chris Husted. What about you? Uh, Instagram and Twitter, at TJMoss11. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening, and uh, we'll chat with you next week. Happy
2: Onyx. So give me that come I'm while they say on the radio. It's the remix to <laughs> I'd fish out the kitchen, mama room that body got every minute you wish wishing Sipping on coke I'm like so and drunk. It's the freaking weekend, babe, I'm about to have me some fun Bounce, 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 bounce Bounce, 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 This It's like murder, she once I get you out the globe Privacy is on the door, you still think you can him, he's Girl, I'm feeling what you're feeling No more hoping and wishing I'm about to take the key Stick it in the ignition So be the dude too Come on now, beat me Running a hands to my fro bouncing on 24s While they say on the radio it's the mix to ignition Hot and fresh out the kitchen Mama room That body got every man in here wishing Sipping on coke and rum I'm not sure what I'm drunk It's the freaking weekend Babe, I'm about to have me some fun Come on Chris, stop popping in the stretch navigator We got food everywhere As if the party was catered The fellas to my left Honey's on my right Bring them all together We got jump on And now to the show after party, and after the party, it's the are lobby And round about four, you gotta clear the lobby You take it to your room, man. And what? <laughs> oh yeah! Fuck somebody, give me that toot-toot Come on now, pee-pee Blondin' her hands through my throat bouncing on twenty-four While they say on the way, this door needs to ignition Hot and fresh out the kitchen, Mama rolling that body, got every man in here with you. Sippin' on Golden rum. I'm not sore, and drunk. It's the freaking week weekend, babe, I'm about to have me some fun. It's the Rimmel's doing this. Hot and fresh out the kitchen, Mama rolling that body, got every man in here with you. Sippin' on Golden rum. I'm not sore, and drunk. It's the freaking weekend, babe, I'm about to have me some fun. Come on. Growing off in this jeep, barking windows up, blasting a radio in the back of my truck, bouncing up and down, stroking round, round to the remix. We just thugging it out. Woo!